Are you ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Around the CFL podcast. Anthony here with you once again. Week 9 is in the books and we are just about to the midway point of the CFL season. We have a lot to get to today including our sit down with the beast of the backfield running back for the defending champion Toronto Argonauts AJ Ouellette. He joins us today but first let's get to some news. It didn't take long, and it happened this week. The Calgary Stampeders have signed veteran American receiver Markeith Ambles to their practice roster. The 31-year-old native of McDonough, Georgia, was released by the Toronto Argonauts on Wednesday, missing out on a return to Calgary in a rival uniform. He spent the first three seasons of the CFL career with the Stampeders, recording 117 catches for 1,399 yards and 7 touchdowns. The Stampeders did upset the Argos 20-7 on Friday, breaking the undefeated streak. Ambles set an all-new career high in 2022 with Toronto, posting 72 receptions for 737 yards and 5 touchdowns. The 6'2", 197-pound target re-signed with the Argos this offseason, but had yet to play a game this year due to injury, rendering him expendable. The other big issue here was look at all the talent and weapons that Toronto has. Unfortunately, with him starting out the season on injury, it was just meant to happen this way. But great to see him coming back to Calgary. The Hamilton Tiger Cats have parted ways with assistant head coach and offensive coordinator Tommy Condell in what the club called a mutual decision. This day is quite difficult. Tommy is someone I have known since 2013. He is an exceptional man whose work ethic and creativity are second to none. His history with Hamilton as a coordinator and development of quarterbacks is undeniably impressive, said the president of football operations and head coach Orlando Steinhauer in a statement. Condell first became the offensive coordinator in Hamilton in 2013 and served in the role for three years before suddenly resigning in April of 2016, citing family reasons. He became the receivers coach of the Toronto Argonauts in 2017 after a year off from football and spent two seasons with the club winning one Grey Cup. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have released veteran receiver Daryl Walker. The 6'2", 187-pound target dressed for the club's first game of the season and caught three passes for 28 yards and one touchdown against his former team, the Edmonton Elks. He has missed Saskatchewan past seven contests due to a knee injury. The 32-year-old joined the Riders as a free agent this past offseason following a two-year run with the Elks. Despite his production declining in over those recent years, Walker attributed some of his decline to the poor play of Edmonton's quarterbacks over those two years. The four-time divisional All-Star started his CFL career with Edmonton in 2015 and won a Grey Cup mere days after being named the league's most outstanding rookie. He spent four seasons with the team before one-year stint with the Toronto Argonauts, during which he was the league's highest-paid non-quarterback. And finally, and I mean finally, the Edmonton Elks have named Canadian quarterback Trey Ford as their starter for Week 10. 
head coach and general manager Chris Jones made the announcement following practice on Friday as the team made their return to action after a bye week. The organization revealed on Monday that their previous starter, Taylor Cornelius, would be demoted to short yardage duties going forward, but had not yet named a replacement between Ford and American rookie Jared Doge. Ford has yet to see the field this season and has recently been challenged by Jones to play better in practice. The 6'1", 185-pound passer was a first-round pick in 2022 out of the University of Waterloo and made his first career start in Week 4 last season. He threw for 159 yards, one touchdown, and one interception in a win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the first by a U-Sport quarterback since 1985. He started again the next week against Calgary, but exited early after suffering a shoulder injury. He's from Niagara Falls. Of course, we all know that Chris Jones apparently does not have a love for Canadian quarterbacks. So not only is this big to see Ford starting this week, I really hope he balls out. Week 9 in the Canadian Football League kicks off with a heavyweight tilt between the Lions and Bombers at IG Field. Winnipeg rolls in on 13 days rest and looking for revenge after losing at home to the BC Lions 30-6 in Week 3. Up to the Winnipeg 39. Kolaris over the middle. Down the field for show. Got it! He'll take it down to the 20 stays on his feet and he's gone! Early bird special from the Bombers! shown and they go on top the week opened up on thursday with the bc lions traveling out to ig field to take on the winnipeg blue bombers hoping that lightning would strike twice with another big win but unfortunately that did not happen as the winnipeg blue bombers took this one at home 50 to 14 against the bc lions putting a 50 burger up against bc which has not been done that easily this season Dane Evans went 12 for 21 with 113 yards and two interceptions. Taquan Mizell had 10 carries for only 50 yards, and Keon Hatcher seemed to be the biggest target with four catches and 60 yards. On the other side, Zach Caleros, 19 for 27, 369 yards in the air, three touchdowns, and just one interception. Brady Oliveira was solid on the ground, 9 carries, 67 yards, putting in two touchdowns of his own. Kenny Lawler balled out, of course, 7 catches, 200 yards, and 1 touchdown on his way to his goal of 2,000 yards this season. Dalton shown 5 catches, 137 yards as well, and 2 touchdowns, including the big one that you just heard. It was all bombers for the entire game, and they bounced back in a big way. Clock keeps running to not give Toronto too much time. This guy might not need much time, but oh, oh, he bobbles it, and it's going to trickle towards the end zone. Calgary trying to hop on it. A flag on the plate. Touchdown, Stan Peters. Are you kidding me? How will they sort this out? A mistake from Leak ends up in the hands of the home side. And yeah, they thought it wasn't touched initially with the flag coming out, that it was no yards, but it was touched by Leak. Therefore, it's a free play and a free ball, and Michael Griffin goes and gets it. On Friday, the undefeated Toronto Argonauts travel out to McMahon Stadium to take on the Calgary Stampeders. 
and in a shocking turn of events, especially for me, it was 20-7 for the Stampeders who took down the undefeated streak of the Toronto Argonauts. Before I get into stats, I am sending out some special teams love. Coach Mark Killam is the best special teams guy in the business, and he does deserve to have a head coaching job here really soon. But a great job by the Calgary special teams group when the punt went to Javion Leak and he just absolutely muffed it. It went right into the end zone. Michael Griffin jumped on it. It was fantastic. It was exciting to watch. Now to the actual stats of the game. Chad Kelly, who left at half, went only 4 for 6 and 94 yards with a touchdown. Cameron Dukes came in, and he went 8 for 15 with 63 yards and an interception. A.J. Ouellette, who is our guest today, only had 7 carries for 32 yards. Cam Phillips was the biggest target for the Toronto Argonauts. 4 catches, 94 yards, and 1 touchdown. The Calgary defense absolutely shut down Toronto. It was quite a surprise to see. On the other side, finally, Jake Mayer had a game. He went 22 for 24, only 149 yards in the air, but no mistakes. Diedrich Mills was a beast. He had 27 carries for 137 yards. And Tommy Lee Lewis stepped up in a big way, 9 catches for 58 yards. Unfortunately, the undefeated season for the Argos ends, and Calgary has a big win. And Rolling to his right, looking over the top, open receiver, it's Regis Sibasu, inside the 10, touchdown Montreal! The rarely used Regis Sibasu in the passing attack. Saturday night saw the Montreal Alouettes traveling out to the Hammer to take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and it was a big 27-14 win for the Alouettes. Cody Fajardo went 19 for 25, 318 yards, one touchdown, and he did have two interceptions, unfortunately. William Stanback, 19 carries, 106 yards on the ground. Austin Mack had five catches for 106 yards. Tyler Sneed continues to impress, four catches for 90 yards as well. On the other side, Taylor Powell started for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, 20 for 31, 202 yards, two interceptions. James Butler has been super quiet since going to Hamilton from the BC Lions. Nine carries for only 51 yards. Terry Godwin was the only real big star for Hamilton. Six catches for 89 yards. Hurry, hurry, son. Shuffling on the back end. We'll see where Mason find attacks. Vertical shot. Bane down the field. Hangs it up. Drops it in. Touchdown, Riders. In arguably the most exciting game of the week this week, on Sunday, it was the Ottawa Red Blacks and that phenom Dustin Crum heading out to Saskatchewan in Mosaic to take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And in a back-and-forth game the entire way through, it was Saskatchewan coming out 26-24. Dustin Crum was really shut down. 16 for 20, only 174 yards. Barely ran anything on the ground either. Devontae Williams was the big running back for Ottawa. 12 carries for only 33 yards. Jalen Acklin had 3 catches for 56 yards. While Shaq Evans seems to be getting back in the groove, he had 4 catches but for only 38 yards. On the other side, Mason Fine, 23 for 37, 296 in the air and a touchdown. Jamal Morrow... 
13 carries, 47 yards, and a touchdown. Sean Bain Jr., I love talking about this dude. Six catches, 88 yards, and another touchdown for him. Jarrah Stearns even jumped into the game with seven catches, 71 yards as well. That is it for week nine this week. We'll be right back and we will jump into our conversation with Toronto Argonauts big running back AJ Ouellette. We have a very special guest joining us today. He is a CFL East All-Star in 2022, but bigger than that, a member of the Grey Cup champion Toronto Argos. He is not only a beast in the backfield, but also a squared circle. AJ Ouellette, welcome. All right, thank you for having me. I'm excited. So are we. You're originally from Covington, Ohio, right? Uh, how did your yes. path how'd your path to the CFL come about? Uh, so going back to Covington, started football in like second grade. I was like eight years old out there playing tackle football. Fell in love with the sport. From there, um, that was the uh, the game I wanted to do. Went to college, um, had a short little stint with the the Saints and Cleveland Browns. Uh, got cut from the Browns in 2019 after training camp. And then I'm sitting on the couch trying to figure out what to do next. Um, one of the uh, assistant general managers uh, called me up. Hey, do you want to play in, in Toronto? Yes. Can you be here tomorrow? Uh, yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> uh, so came up partially through the season in uh, 2019. Ended up getting to play, I think, two games that year. And then been with the team since. That's amazing. Last year was a big year for you, but it started out with sharing the backfield with Andrew Harris. How has it been learning from a future Hall of Famer? Oh, it's been a, it's been amazing. Uh, I've been lucky to have some uh, some good, talented running backs to kind of watch and uh, uh, see how they approach the game. And then last year was ten times better than I could have expected uh, with his knowledge of the game and then the way he approaches it as well. He's a great running back uh, with with tremendous talent. But on top of that, he's a he's a football player. Like he knows the game of football. So having another guy in the room that I can just like look at and be like, what what are you seeing on this? What what are you thinking? Uh, it's it's elevated my game um, even more. The Argos finished eleven and seven last year, which was top spot in the East after beating Montreal in the East final. What were you feeling knowing you were going to Regina to take on the then defending champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Um, after that game, you know, you're, you're, you're excited. You won the game, you know, you're going to the great cup. Uh, and then you wake up the next day and it's kind of like, it's, it's another day. It's another, it's another football game. Like, um, the only thing that's different is trying to figure out travel because you're going there for a full week and then you got to practice at a new facility. You got to kind of learn the land, but it was fun. You know, the media and all that, uh, you kind of soaked that all in, but trying to keep your, you know, your focus onto the game instead of this other outside distractions is uh, is kind of like what the coaches were leaning on and even Andrew and some of our uh, older vets on the team that have been to the great cup before is just a hey, take this to uh, day by day. Think about the game uh, first off um, and then the outcome will be in your favor. And you got to think all you got to do is win one game at that point. You're not winning. You're not winning the great cup. You're winning a football game. Uh, you, you, you take that approach and, you know, the the hype and all that kind of goes over your head. So there's a lot of hype, I guess, in Grey Cup week. How did you manage to kind of keep yourself focused on the game at hand with, like you said, all the media and all the crazy stuff that's happening during that week? Yeah, so with me, is my first Grey Cup. 
Um, so how I approach it was I'm going to look at some of these players that have been here before and see what they're doing. Oh, you're not going to a media show? Okay, I'm not either because I know that that's going to be a distraction. And like I said, it was always Andrew. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you going back to relax? You're going to recover. Okay, um, I'm going to do the same thing. And now that I kind of know the uh, uh, the way the season goes, unfolds, and how long the season is, I know how to take care of the body a little bit and how to get it ready for you know playoffs and hopefully eventually the, the Grey Cup. The 23 season kicked off by receiving your Grey Cup ring. How special was that day? Oh, it was, uh, it was great. Um, gr- uh, grinding through camp, knowing that the Grey Cup ceremony uh, was going to be at the end of it was kind of like the, the light at the end of the tunnel for, uh, for camp. Um, and, you, you know, you, you put all that work in through the month with your teammates and you get to celebrate that one day. Great food. Uh, great atmosphere that that we had there at the the ceremony. So it was just uh, a, a wonderful time with teammates, with coaches, with you know the administration that you don't always get to see every day. So then you get to see um, and hear the hard work that they put in through the year, and you know how that hard work is rewarded because everybody gets to share that moment. Speaking of you know all the hard work that the executives put in, there's a lot of leadership in Toronto. Um, what's the culture like with people like, you know, Vince Magri and there's pinball there and coach Dinwiddie. Leadership is good this year. I think through the years I've seen the culture kind of change and it's been the great leaders that we've had in the past kind of mold it to where the players are the leaders of the team. Like the, the coaches, the general managers, they do not have to come into the locker room and tell people what to do. Like the, the, the team kind of has ownership. We take responsibility it's us doing the discipline. It's us doing the celebrating. So leadership-wise, I, I, I commend the, the players because everyone on our team right now is team-first guys, and that's the way a locker room should be because then the coaches can focus on game planning, stay in their, uh, their offices. We don't have to see their faces too much. You know, go put your head in the book and grind, come up <laughs> with new plays. General managers and all that, they can look for other talent or, you know, other ways to help out the, the team. Especially here in Toronto, we get our parking lots taken up by CNE, by festivals that are happening every other week. So they have to figure out what practice field are we going to go to next. Where, so it just makes everybody's job easier when um, the players can control themselves. Training camp also started with a couple of changes, right? Um, McLeod Bethel-Thompson went to the USFL. He was the Grey Cup champion quarterback. Andrew Harris had announced that this is going to be it for him. And, of course, Chad Kelly is now at the helm. What was the mood in the locker room going into training camp with kind of all these changes? And, you know, Chad Kelly, who's a great quarterback, but kind of fairly unknown in the CFL. Yeah, uh, we knew Chad was going to be a competitor. He's going to come in and he's going to grind and uh, uh, work his tail off to be the best that he could. Um, we still didn't see a lot from him. So when, like running back wise, we were like this season, we need to set the tone. And with Andrew announcing that it was going to be his last year, I said, this needs to be the biggest year. Like we need to have like soak this in, have the much fun as you can. And hopefully our run game takes off. And that was the way we approached it. And I think it shows throughout the year so far, how our run game has developed. And then Chad has been killing it. He blew expectations out the water, you know, a little banged up right now, but uh, I think he'll be perfectly fine. He was kind of moving around pretty well today. Um, so uh, uh, it was good to see. 
but yeah, uh, throughout camp, it was how dangerous can we be after we knew we were kind of going to be good. Um, because we, we got weapons across the board a little bit. We were nervous early on in camp, but we were playing against our defense. And as we've seen so far, our defense is freaking good. So, um, so, uh, we kind of, kind of iron sharpens iron. Right. So we kind of helped each other out throughout camp. Well, I mean, that defense picked Vernon Adams Jr. six times in that one <laughs> game against BC. So um, an incredible start to the season this year. 6-0 and uh, was what you were at. What were the keys to the success to get off to that great 6-0 and start? First off, getting your body right after camp. Um, coach took care of us this year. We didn't, we didn't hit each other too often. And we have pros. We know how to take care of each other. Um, when you got two high-level athletes competing every day against each other. It kind of gets heated. But luckily, our guys are smart enough to know that, yeah, we can't be throwing each other down, can't be tackling, can't be doing all that. So we kind of got, got through camp pretty healthy, and that's led to us playing well in the beginning of this part of the season. This week against Calgary, obviously not the result that you were hoping for against the Stampeders. Chad Kelly left, like you said, a little bit banged up uh, towards the end of the second quarter, and you seemed to take a really big hit when you turned a run that basically was going to end equal out to nothing and you made it out to extra yardage, were you being limited in the second half of this week's game after that big hit you took? Um, coaches didn't even know anything about the hit. Luckily, our the way me and uh, Andrew kind of work with each other is we're on and off continuously. Like if someone's maybe a little tired, if I'm feeling 75% in the huddle, I'm bringing Andrew in there because I know his – whatever percentage he's at at the time is better than my 75%. So whatever we can do to help the team. And that's how we were. And then it kind of, I don't know if the the TV was saying I was injured, but the way that the play calling was there in the second half was for ratio purposes. I think Andrew was in there and then our other running back leak, he was the American. So it was kind of like off and on. And then when they called that package and they brought leak back out, Andrew's already out there. So he stays out there until he's tired. Um, so it kind of looked like I was sitting there for a while. Um, even uh, quarterback coach kind of looked at me and goes, you can get in there when you want. I was like, I'm waiting for Andrew to tell me he needs me. <laughs> so, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't too bad. Okay, yeah, because TSN did make it sound a little bit, you know, after Chad had a bit of an ankle injury. And then Coach Dinwiddie came out and said that it was just for precaution that he was staying out of the game. But at the beginning of the second half, they made it sound like you were a little bit banged up as well. That's why I was wondering, like, are you good now? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm perfectly fine. I had family members checking in on me too. <laughs> well, it was an amazing run, though, because literally there was nowhere to go, and then you found that hole and you got the extra yardage. Yeah, um, I kind of pressed the hole. Uh, the, the defensive scheme was was great against our uh, our run game night, the, that game. Um, and luckily they kind of over pursued into the middle of the, you know, defense. And I kind of bounced outside of the, I think it was the the field half or uh, whoever was trying to flow in there and ended up picking up like nine yards. So it was, it was a good run to start off. It was next week is another divisional matchup. When you take on the red blocks at BMO field, what is the mindset going into this game after the tough loss? Uh, we just got to limit the penalties. We limit all those penalties we had offensively. We're going to be clicking. We're going to be scoring points. Uh, mistakes on uh, special teams. We had uh, uh, the, one, the one fumble. We learned from that. And Leaks, in my opinion, the best returner in the league. So uh, he, he, he's he got his mind straight, and he's, he's ready to make plays now. 
but yeah, limit mistakes and you can't hurt yourself. Pro football, if you hurt yourself, the other team's going to take advantage of it. So we're coming up on the midway point to the season right away. The Argos have another bye week after the matchup against Ottawa. You're third in rushing, which is a tight race, including Brady Oliveira in Winnipeg, and now Diedrich Mills jumped out in Calgary. How important is that rushing title for you this year? Uh, I think the wins are more important for me because then that's going to set us up for a, a comfortable finish to the season. Hopefully we can get that, that first round by in the playoffs. Um, everybody's feeling good going into that uh, East final. Uh, and if you're feeling good, then you're going to play good. And hopefully we can come away with a win there. Yeah, as long as we're getting the wins, um, it can be Andrew, it can be League, it can be Dan. Whoever's getting the yard is good. That's a, that's a very team answer. I love that answer. But the reason why I was asking, though, is it's a contract year, not only for Chad Kelly, but for you as well. You had that extension to come back this year. How important is it, you know, to try to have a long-term stake moving forward in Toronto for you? Yeah, so my the way I'm looking at it is stats are stats. Uh, I get that the front office and people like that like to look at it. But coaches know what uh, a leader does to a team and what my mindset does for our organization. So that's what I'm more leaning towards now. Um, the coaches know I can play fullback, I can play running back, and play receiver. So I'm not looking for the rushing yards. I'm not looking for anything like that. Uh, those will come with the hard work that you put in. And um, if they see the value in me next year, then then good. That's just longer time in Toronto, and uh, I'm going to play this game as long as I can. So. So switching gears, uh, during your introduction, I said that you're a beast in the backfield and in the squared circle. How did professional wrestling come about? Yeah, that was a um, just kind of, a, I don't want to say a random uh, Instagram message, but I had a friend, Jock Sampson. Uh, he's from where I went to college down in Athens, Ohio, and he was doing a show in Toronto uh, last year. And he asked me if I wanted to come watch and just the way that scheduling worked out, we had games and all that. I wasn't able to this year. He messaged me saying we're back in here. Date. I'm like, we got a first round by or yeah. By week for week one. I'm like, I don't have anything going on. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll show up and support you and hang out and yell, do whatever. And uh, I got there watching guys warm up. I'm like, you care if I hop in the, in the ring with you? And they were just like, do as much as you want, as long as we don't get in trouble. I'm like, we'll keep it simple. I get hit every day at practice. That's what I do for a living. <laughs> so are you a wrestling fan, though, outside of football? I grew up watching it here and there. Uh, but then once uh, sports kind of took over, I was a three-sport athlete uh, my whole life. So I didn't really have time to watch other anything else other than what I was doing at the time, which was school sports and then extra workouts. Um, so I kind of fell off the, the wrestling train. I grew up uh, a Steve Austin fan. My sister was a, a rock fan. So um, that was kind of the era we watched and then it kind of faded off, but I'm, I want to start watching it again so I can, uh, you know, get a little familiar with uh, the atmosphere and how to, how to maybe go forward with that. Nice. I saw online that you're booked for a match on August 19th. Is that correct with Greek Town Wrestling? Yeah. So the same place I, I went to the first time they reached out and they were like, uh, we have another show the 19th. Um, can you make it? So that's another bye week we have. So I'll be there and I'll show face and say hi to the fans, yell at the Hamilton fans that show up. 
um, have fun with it. And um, they ended up talking me into doing a, a tag team match. So we'll see how that goes. That's amazing that the, that the Argos are actually happy with it. Cause I saw that in the, um, in that one, when you jumped in, you had the helmet and you had your ring, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I also follow you a lot on Instagram. So I see that you're involved in a ton of stuff. How important is it for you to give back to communities? There's one quote I heard is you got to leave the place better than you found it. And that's what I'm thinking of everywhere I've been is hometown, Athens, where I went to college. Like how, how can I leave this place better than I found it or how I received it? And, and for me, it was, there wasn't a lot of resources as a youth athlete to, you know, enhance my performance so that's what I'm focusing on is how can I give make these resources easier for these athletes and how can I let them enjoy it rather than always feeling like they're getting screamed at by coaches and all that like that that's in the past like you have to enjoy this um this time you have playing to get the most out of the kids too so yeah that's that's our big focus that's great. I saw that you have a lot of work at the gym and then you had posted recently about you want to put something on in Toronto. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm still talking. We haven't got anything set. We don't even know if there's openings in any fields in our area, but I'm like school's about to start up. I'm sure parents are wanting their kids to go do something, get them out of the house, um, make them be active. I'm like, let's just let's do like a youth camp, first grade to seventh grade or first to fifth depending on how many people we have signed up, like let them learn the position from a pro. I'm sure I've already had multiple teammates be like, yeah, I'll be your offensive line coach. I'll be your DB coach. I'll be Chad's like, I'm your quarterback coach. I'm like, perfect. I don't know how to be a quarterback. But the kids would have a blast learning it from the pros. And then obviously at the end of it, have fun with it, maybe a seven on seven game or um, let them play against the Argos and uh, let them have fun, you know, flag football or something. Uh, we had recently helped out with Keon Raymond, who is, you know, former DB from the Calgary Stampeders and, you know, future Hall of Famer. And that's what he did as well as he held a camp and he's heavily involved in seven on seven. So anytime the pros can give back to the kids, it's an amazing opportunity because, you know, they look up to you saying, oh, my God, here are the pros. But you're also there teaching them and teaching them not just how to hit each other, but those skill positions, which is super important for the kids now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seven on sevens are huge now. They've, they've blown up the last few years. And it gives the football players a reason to practice other than just hitting each other. So, like, growing up, it was just put the pads on and one person has football, one person's tackling, and that was it. Now these kids are learning foot development, how to, you know, pursue angles and all that. So um, it's just going to enhance the game um, as this generation gets older. So we're coming up to the halfway point, like I said. What can we expect to see from not only AJ, but the Toronto Argos for the rest of the season? Uh, we're just going to, you know, take it game by game like we have this first part of the season. Uh, we're going 1-0 and every year or every week. And like I said, just put, put your head down and grind. That's what I love about this team right now is you don't have to tell them to go get in extra work. They're the ones that you have to be like, hey, how's your body feeling? Do you need this work? Go <laughs> Go get in the ice tub. Go, go, go chill. So um, I'm enjoying this ride. I'm enjoying the locker room this year. AJ, thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you still have practice and stuff to get to, and I don't want to take up too much of your day, but I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to see what you do for the rest of the season.
Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a blast being on here. That was our conversation with star running back from the Toronto Argonauts, AJ Ouellette. What a stand-up dude and what a team-first kind of attitude. This week kicks off on Thursday. We've got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming in off of a commanding win over the BC Lions. They're going to be traveling out to Commonwealth to take on the Edmonton Elks. With all the changes that's happening in Edmonton and the new starting quarterback, I still don't think it's quite enough that they've done yet. I see Winnipeg taking this one very heavily. And then... On Friday, we have got a revenge game like no other. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going into Montreal and they are taking on Cody Pichardo and the Alouettes. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see Trevor Harris take on his old team, but we're sure going to see Cody, and I would be betting money on this one. I'm saying Montreal will be taking down the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and watch out for Cody having a lights-out game. On Saturday, the Calgary Stampeders are heading out to BC to take on the Lions in a special game as well as the BC Lions are inducting legend Wally Buono into their Hall of Fame. It's going to be a very emotional day as Wally took on the reins of both Calgary and BC at one point. But for the game, I'm saying BC Lions, Vernon Adams Jr. will be back and they will take this one for sure. And on Sunday, we finish out the week with the Ottawa Red Blacks traveling to Toronto to take on the Argos. And as we talked about with AJ, after coming off that loss in Calgary, they have got their minds right. They've got all of their errors figured out. And I believe that it's going to be the Argos taking down the Red Blacks. And there will, again, not be another crumb back this week for Dustin Crumb. That is it for us. You can always find us on Instagram, Threads, or X at Around the CFL Podcast. And you can also find us anywhere you find your podcasts from Amazon, Spotify, Apple, iHeart, Pandora, Google, and anything else. And if you're enjoying the show, please go ahead and leave us a five star rating. Next week's episode, we're hoping to get one of our friends from TSN to come on the show as we're going to look back at the first half of the season and try to look at some maybe new projections going into the second half. That is it for us this week, and we'll see you later. Mm-hmm.